Hurricane Dorian has been something else. 185 miles per hour wind with gusts up to 220 miles per hour winds. Uh, storm surges up to 23 feet or higher in some cases because homes were over flooded. People were hiding in their ceilings. People had to use jet skis and boat to go and rescue people. Welcome to Baptist Without an Adjective, a podcast of Word and Way. I'm your host, Word and Way editor and president, Brian Kaler. On this program, we'll hear from Baptists from across the denominational, ethnic, national, and ideological lines that too often divide us. At Word and Way, we've been informing and inspiring Baptists since 1896. Learn more about us at wordandway.org. This episode is sponsored in part by the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. The Cooperative Baptist Fellowship is a network of people and churches working together to spread the hope of Christ. For more than 25 years, CBF has been driven by its mission to serve Christians and churches as they discover and fulfill their God-given mission. Join the fellowship at work in long-term global missions in more than 25 countries. Join them too as they strive to form healthy congregations and support the ministers that serve them. Put your faith to action. Visit cbf.net to get connected. Late last summer, Hurricane Durian pounded the Bahamas. You probably remember it in the news, end of August, beginning of September, and it was a devastatingly strong hurricane, the, the strongest as well as also the slowest to hit the islands there in the Caribbean. The devastation was huge, the images on the television screens made us want to cry, and then it all went away. It left the news, but the devastation remains. The rebuilding is far from complete. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode of Baptist Without an Adjective. Earlier this month, I had a chance to sit down with Clinton Minnis. He's a Baptist pastor in the Bahamas. He currently leads the ministry of young people for the Bahamas Baptist Missionary and Educational Convention. We were together in Falls Church, Virginia for some meetings of the Baptist World Alliance. And so I was happy to have a chance to sit down and, and talk with him about what's happening in the Bahamas today. What's going on now that the news cameras have left? What's the work that remains? And what are Baptists there doing? And so I think this is a really important conversation for us to be mindful that the work continues. The reconstruction and the rebuilding after the devastation is not something that's just for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, but we're talking about years and years of work. And the Baptists and others in the Bahamas need us to keep them in our minds and our prayers and in our relief funds. So here's my conversation with Clinton Minnis of the Bahamas Baptist Missionary and Educational Convention. All right, well, Clinton, first of all, thanks for joining us on the program. Yes, thank you. It's good to be here. So I want to talk about some of the stuff that's been happening with the Bahamas yes. uh, in a moment. But I, well, well, first of all, I want to say it was a joy to be with you yes. in your country <laughs> last July with the Baptist World Alliance. It's good Canada. to have you. <laughs> it, was, it was good to be there. It was a, you all did a fantastic job, and I know you were a very key role in a lot of the, the leadership and making that event happen. So I wonder if you could first tell us a little bit about yourself, your ministry, your role there with Baptists in the Bahamas. Well, my history, thank you very much. Uh, my history goes back to being appointed the National Youth Director for Baptist young people in the country. And after about six years, I was identified to help revive the Baptist youth work in the Caribbean region. And I served there for six years and advised other leaders 
for another four years. And uh, since 2009, I've been working actively through the Caribbean as a vice president and vice president at large for the Baptist World Youth Department because of those positions. And ever since 2014, after our tenure was completed, I was asked to stay on in a consultative capacity to help with the direction and development of the youth department of the Baptist World Alliance. So, so I do young people. My whole life is young people. Outside of church work, I'm an associate minister, uh, by the way, of the Providence Baptist Church and uh, my pastor, Joseph Zonical. So I'm, I'm actively involved in the local church and the local convention for many years. Outside of the church, I work full-time as an operations manager at the power company in the Bahamas, Bahamas Power and Light. I've been there for over 32 years. And uh, so I, I know electricity, <laughs> I know power. <laughs> and so, and apart from that work of employment, I also work in nonprofit civic and cultural organizations and humanitarian relief with the National Emergency Management Agency of the Bahamas that deals with hurricane and disasters. So I work part-time, but full-time doing a lot of stuff. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it keeps you busy. It does. But uh, yeah, so you know a lot about power. Uh, you, got, you got the electric power and you're doing the, the power of the gospel. Uh, uh, yes. By vacation. Yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we, before we get to some of the disaster relief side, you mentioned your leadership that you've had with the youth department of the Baptist World Alliance. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what that involves, particularly with the youth meeting alongside the Congress in Rio yes. this summer. Yes, and so what is so important is every region ought to rally its troop of young people, that's the language of young people, to get to the global experience. And that's what I would have done during my tenure. And so this year as the Congress has sought to include the youth as an arm of the Congress. This is for me a pilot project because the young people are accustomed to having their own space. And so we, we are seeking to see what the Lord is saying in this matter. And so we're looking forward to Rio. We want to encourage all of our Brazilian uh, youth leaders and young people and pastors and churches to be a part of, of the experience. And anytime people come into your region, if you came into the Bahamas, you know, we want to celebrate, you know, you because you're coming to us. And so we're looking forward to the excitement of the Brazilian young people and their convention. And so we have some very strategic and dynamic speakers planned from across the region, from Canada, from Nigeria slash Norway. And of course, a lot of the senior speakers who we are familiar with very much please of the diversity and the unity as we come together in, in Rio. So we, we're excited about it. We have, a, we have had a few listeners in the Bahamas, but most of our listeners live elsewhere. Uh, so I wonder if you could share about your country. What are some things that maybe outsiders who haven't been there or maybe who have been there, but were only there at a beachside resort and then yes. immediately flew out. What would you like us to know about the Bahamas that we might not know? We had a slogan for many years. It's just bad in the Bahamas. <laughs> uh, and we have one of our famous songwriters, 
indicate when you come to the Bahamas, once is not enough. Yes. <laughs> and so we say that because we are proud of our inheritance, the sun, the sand, the sea, but more so the spirit of the people. We are known through history as a kind, peaceful, loving people. So we know how to love on folks, you know, and, 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 and most critically, the Bahamas, our constitution, the preamble speaks to being founded on Christian values and the rule of law. And so therefore the country is governed by that spirit. And so that's why you would see crime would not be out of control in the Bahamas because the spirit that we represent Christ in our context, we follow the moral laws of the country, of, 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 of the Bible and uh, have a government conscious of that. And so you don't have to worry about hiding the prey or the worship. It's, it's out there and you can just do whatever the Lord allows. And so for us, our country is about 400,000 people in its totality. The capital city, Nassau, is about 21 miles by seven. It is the financial and tourist mecca. We have 16 populated islands. They're spread throughout 100,000 square miles of, of sea. And so we, we are, our native uh, language is English, and we are proud people. We love our culture. We believe we're the best cooks in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I know some will dispute that, but, but we, we are proud of who we are as a people. And uh, we, we are a democratic government. Our election is held every five years. And um, tourism is the number one industry. So we are open to all persons who want to come and experience who we are. And so we're excited about being Bahamians. Good. Well, I experienced a lot of that there. The good yes. food. Yes. <laughs> we really happened to be there for your Independence Day. And oh, yes. experienced a lot oh, yes. of the pride the culture, and the yes. celebration. Oh, yes. It was fun. It was fun. <laughs> well, after the BWA meeting in the Bahamas last summer, you all were hit by just an absolutely devastating hurricane. I wonder if you could talk about the impact that that storm has had on your country. Well, I, I, you know, sometimes when you are experiencing the blessings, as we did with the BWA coming, and some person stayed there for 10 to 12 days on mission and interaction otherwise, who came for big tea, and then they gathered and stayed behind for mission, we experienced the blessings of the investment the BWA made in our country, which was very strategic for us. But after the blessing, it won't appear that it is a curse came after the blessing. And um, the Hurricane Dorian has been something else. 185 miles per hour wind with gusts up to 220 miles per hour winds. Uh, storm surges up to 23 feet or higher in some cases because homes were over flooded. People were hiding in their ceilings. People had to use jet skis and boat to go and rescue people. The, for the storm to slow down to about one mile per hour, one mile per hour, there's a debate between one and five miles per hour, but it slowed down to almost zero and just stayed still. I want to really thank God that the amount of people who would have been challenged by the storm were able to come out with the testimonies that even though the storm was ferocious, 
there was a lot of miracle in this storm. And so our country, the two second and third economic pillars of our country, the Abaco and Grand Bahama, have been challenged. Grand Bahama, not as bad, but Abaco devastated. And we, especially the capital of Abaco, Marsh Harbor, all of the electric utilities, the poles were snapped as if someone was just doing a rippling effect. And uh, we, we saw that and the stories, the amount of dead bodies that were uh, still being found and the amount of losses amount to, according to the Inter-American Development Bank, is about $3.4 billion in losses. And so it's gonna take, uh, I would estimate two to five years, three to five years to, for us to recover and be restored from the hurricane. And even so, we had other islands that were devastated in 2017, Hurricane Irma in 2017, Ragged Island, is just trying to come back to life with its infrastructure and developments. But it tells you that whatever the government has planned in place, you have the budget deficit or the fiscal deficit, all of these issues will be thrown out of the window because hurricanes and storms and disaster, it, it really takes a toll on the economy of the country. So we are still blessed. We've had the Samaritan Purse. We've had the BWA calling in about support. We've had our partners, the National Baptist Convention, USA Incorporated, Lot Keery. We've had a lot of organizations who came in to help us with medical facilities, feeding, the World Kitchen feeding program. We have been blessed and we appreciate everything that everyone has done, but there's still more help needed because the recovery process of people who are still living outside of their home, they need to be restored to their to, to, to a level of dignity that they've been accustomed to. We'll be right back. But first, I want to let you know about a special offer from Word & Way magazine. You enjoy the podcast, but if you're not a subscriber to our award-winning monthly magazine, you really are still missing out. And I want to make it easier for you to try it. $9.95 for one year, that's 50% off. All you have to do is go to tinyurl.com slash wwoffer. That's tinyurl.com slash wwoffer and try out our monthly magazine and I think you're going to really enjoy it. Now here's the rest of our conversation. People who work with aid efforts and relief efforts, you know, talk about different phases and there's always that initial phase that is immediate of saving lives, yes. people that are, you know, maybe trapped or, you know, don't have any food or any water. And, and that's also the, the, the phase that gets all the media attention right. around the world. Of course. And, and then we move into the long-term phase right. and the TV cameras go away and it fades away from the news. But, you know, as you're reminding us, it, I mean, it's not even been one year. No. It's been half a year. And this is a three to five year at least yes. effort. And so I wonder if you could help us understand a little bit more of, you know, what, what are Baptists doing? Right. Uh, both but Bohemian Baptists as well as partners uh, from other places. And then also, you know, just what what still needs to be done? Right. One, one of the things that is important, what the government did, the government introduced authority on recovery and reconstruction and what that authority is assigned to do is to deal with the long-term impact of restoring people to their home small home re-renovation projects and helping to rebuild giving you concession on building materials that have to be important and concessions through the many business houses 
once you are in the disaster zone, the government has done that to ease the burden on those who wish to restore their lives. For us as Baptists, we have had help from the Baptist Global Response. We've had conversation with Baptist World Aid and to, to organize and look at what kind of plan we would have long-term as Baptists to help with the restoration process. That is an ongoing work and a conversation that the convention has to pull up its bootstrap on to make sure that the aid gets in because you need the right plan and formulation so that the, the, the support can come in. But yet we have had support from, I remember the Baptist Global Response came in and they did some initial assessment, travel and did some help. And the National Baptist Convention USA Incorporated, they came in. I just came from Freeport a week ago. Uh, we flew over two weeks before, did an assessment of the churches on the east end of Grand Bahama, whole settlements or areas in the United States, you will call it counties, still devastated, no, no electric lighting. We have partners out of America who have come and they're restoring poles for miles to help families and businesses get back together. And so we went back and we made donations from the support we get from our USA partners, our Baptist partners, to support the churches in their restoration efforts. And also one, one of the most critical areas of concern is the psychosociological impact that would have on pastors and church leaders because the pastors, they're doing all they can and then they need that support because their homes are devastated, their cars are devastated, and even their businesses are devastated. So, so sometimes there has to be a sense of care for those who care for us. And so we, we're looking at that to help with the restoring of the mindset and the attitude of the people towards God and, and, and the work that he's given them. And so we are thankful, but we need more support. We have to do some things on our part as a convention, I think, from what I'm hearing. And uh, I think if that is done, the support will come in the way it needs to come in. And so God has been blessing us through various partners. The Caribbean has came for Caribbean Baptist Fellowship, of course, we cannot forget. They have given their support to whatever we need. And uh, we want to thank God for whatever help can continue to come. One of the things that, that I'm reminded of, having one, I had flown over the Bahamas before mm -hmm. I came the first time last year, yes. and then being on the island and just how flat they are yes. and how low-lying they are. Yes. And so the particularly vulnerable to a, a large storm like this, yes. but then you know, also vulnerable to issues of climate change. Yes. And I wonder if you could speak to that because there are some Christians in the United States who don't see climate change as a significant issue. Mm -hmm. And I, when I, when I speak to Christians in other countries, mm -hmm. they, they say, this is not a, a future hypothesis as a present reality. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you could talk about from your experience in the Bahamas, yeah. uh, the concerns about caring for creation. Yeah. Creation care is a part of our stewardship as Christians. And so any Christian who don't understand that God said, dress the garden and keep it. In other words, you have to have that care. If you represent his character, if you want to represent his image, his likeness in the earth. And so when you see beaches are being devastated, devastated by corrosion, when you look at how the, the beach push into the land in Selena Point, Acklands, in some parts of Acklands and Crooked Island, these are islands in the Bahamas. And because of 
the roar of the sea and our carbon footprint <laughs> you know we, we we are not whatever we do is minuscule compared to what the superpowers do but we have a responsibility as christians to be concerned about climate matters why we just had a lecture by a baptist from jamaica came in dr michael taylor former chair of the caribbean baptist youth was just in the bahamas and he spoke about the vulnerability of what is becoming unfamiliar with the weather pattern as it used to be you know it's colder longer it's hotter longer you know and then there's the unprecedented sea level rise and and temperatures and and the winds the unprecedented ferocity of the winds like we experience in Dorian so the impact of carbon dioxide and, and emissions they are in uh, impacting the creation and the care and so as Christians we ought to be leading the way the ethical way in our Christian stewardship to guide governments as they seek to introduce policies to make sure that whatever they do it is in the best interest of what God has given us and we have inherited wonderful beaches sea and sand and so we ought to be on the forefront of, our, of advocacy to, to, to care for the creation and so therefore yes sea level rise weather patterns change stronger winds indications of the climate change and matters that are, that are impacting Caribbean nations at large and our Prime Minister uh, last year went to the United Nations and he spoke to the powers that be to let them know we're going to do our part by seeking the solar rise and have renewable energy uh, like we're doing on Ragged Island if we are making a green city solar rise the entire island that was devastated and and some parts of Abaco in the restoration process and so we cannot just speak to what the government or the world should do we have to do and so as Christians we ought to help guide the policy as government they ought to listen because that's how we exist and the world superpowers need to do more in funding and do more in controlling their carbon footprint in order to minimize the impact that we are experiencing because of these uh, climate matters that are changing well i've got one more question for you and you know we've we've talked a little bit about your role and, and quite a bit about your country but i also always like to to learn a little bit about the person yes. so i wonder if you could tell us a little bit of, of your story of, mm -hmm. of how you came to ministry yes okay well you know it's very interesting i grew up with my grandparents in the inner city called montel heights it was one of the one of the most feared inner city areas police when they had to come through they had to come lock and load it because uh the drug dealers i mean you know had the police on the run if i can put it that way and uh, so i grew up in that culture understand a lot of things about the inner city and i got saved while i was living in the inner city uh 19 october 7 1990 i gave my life to the lord under the leadership of the late reverend dr oe pratt at the st john's particular church in nassau one of the most historic churches in the in the country uh you would have been there yeah i was the I, visited, I visited yes. the church yeah uh and uh uh ever since the lord guided me through the process working youth leadership in the in the ministry work at the national level I, and i noticed something when you commit your ways to the lord he will direct your path because you don't have to run after a position god would put what he sees in you 
in the hearts of people and they would call you. So God has called me through various servant experience. And so serving the youth leadership in the church, in the union or association, and they recognize my work. And then they call me at the national level to serve. I served and I, I believe in being faithful to whatever call I'm given. And the rest is history. I want to say a little about the inner city because once God has had blessed me with the opportunity through my work and ministry, he sent me back to the inner city to organize the people, to build a community center, to help with the educational development and the quality of life of the people in the inner city. And we did that through the help of our various partners, residents and, and businesses and the government. Uh, and so, so we, we believe in what the Lord has called us to do. We have to serve. That's how it is. I, so uh, it, it's been from 1990 to, to 2020 since I've given my life to the Lord. So 30 years. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a lot of time, you know, uh, to be serving the Lord. And I ain't tired yet, <laughs> if yeah. I can say that. <laughs> yeah, I hope you have many more years. Yes. And I am uh, married. I have two daughters. They are off in university. And my wife, wonderful. She, her name is Martha, and she is busy like Martha, as <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, but she, she is wonderful, and uh, we, we are at a stage in our life where we just want to do what we have to do for the Lord, you know. And, and so we, we're excited about life. Well, very good, Clinton. Thank you so much for joining us on the program and for all that you are doing, uh, all the ministry, all the work that is happening there in the Bahamas, and. And I know I've told you this before, but thanks for the, the warm welcome that we received. Yes. It, was, it was great to be there. And, but also for helping us to, to remember that even though the story of the devastation may have moved from our news, mm -hmm. that there is still a lot of work, yes. uh, a lot of aid, and a lot of prayers that are needed. Yes. So thank you for being here. Definitely. Us. Thank you very much. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Baptist Without an Adjective. As always, you can find us at wardenway.org. And don't forget to check out our sponsoring partner for this week's episode, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship at cbf.net. If you've enjoyed this program, I hope that you will share it with your friends on Facebook and head over to iTunes or your favorite podcast platform and write a positive review to help more people to find the program. It really will help. You can find easy-to-share links at podcast.wordandway.org. If you'd like to give to support this program, we greatly appreciate it. And all you have to do at wordandway.org is hit the donate button. And whatever you give there will help support the production of this podcast, as well as our website and monthly magazine. And speaking of that magazine, don't forget, you can try one year for half off at tinyurl.com slash wwoffer. If you have any comments or feedback about the program, you can send those to me at bkaler at wordandway.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>